0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and tonight we are here with a show-and-tell episode. And a show-and-tell episode is where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Alton Wheelhouse, and the something cool is the RPG project. He is the lead game architect for, as well as the head designer, and that is Dimensions D6, the RPG. Alton, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. We're super
0: excited to have you, sir. Uh, Now, for anyone who might not be familiar with you personally or the project which we're going to get into, tell me a little bit about yourself, how long you've been gaming, favorite games, just kind of give me your, you know, your geek credentials.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, I can remember gaming and watching gaming ever since I was very little. Some of my fondest memories as a small child we're watching my father and his friends get together to do tabletop wargaming and uh you know local area network parties everything from uh, doom and starcraft and warcraft all the way up you know and so uh, it, it was always something that was very near and dear to me uh, but especially watching him pull out all those miniatures and and tell tales and fight battles at a scale that you know far exceeded anything that we could imagine Uh, was just a really cool experience. Um, And then just as I started to get older, I started to get into gaming myself. Uh, For the last 10, almost 11 years, I've been playing role-playing games. And my third session in, the DM didn't show up and everybody turned and looked at me and said, well, you run it. (laughs) And since then, that's been the tradition is I've run games far more than I've played and taught people how to play far more than I've sat and learned the rules myself. So, uh, you know, about five years ago, a little bit over that, uh, I started to get invited out to company parties and college campuses and things like that to teach people how to play role playing games from the ground up uh, and started to encounter a lot of the problems that we talk about in dimensions. And then three years ago, I started a game store. Uh, It went pretty well and had a lot of opportunities to meet with new people and run into the same types of questions over and over again uh, until ultimately uh, about uh, two years ago I went out into a cabin in the woods with some of my wife's friends one of whom came up to me with a popular cup and dice game and said can we play Dungeons and Dragons please I said (laughs) well no but there's no reason that we couldn't find a game that's simple enough that you could just go out and do it with a handful of d6 and so it became my personal challenge. Uh, you know, I have participated in designing uh, and refining a number of different games through the Utah Board Game Designers Guild and a number of other places, uh, but I decided that this was my personal challenge. I needed to resolve it. And so the idea for Dimensions was inception, you know, conceptualized, and we've just been chugging along since then.
0: All right. Excellent. So, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll give away the ending spoilers for anyone listening. Uh, we are here to talk about a Kickstarter campaign, uh, but we're going to get into the Kickstarter specifics at the end. Uh, for the most part, I want to talk about what the project actually is. Um, you know, you shared a little bit of information with me before we got started recording. I had a chance to look at the website and some of it's still under construction and that kind of good stuff. Um, mm. But it seems like to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but just from the layman looking in at it, uh Dimension seems to be a fairly pretty rules like story driven RPG that seems like the design idea behind it was was make it super easy to play to to let people get started playing. There's a little bit of room so you know if people really just love the world. They could they could probably add some complexity. But in mm-hmm. you know, again, I hope this isn't taken the wrong way. It's almost like a starter game. Is that anywhere near close to what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing that I want to stress to everybody out there is this is not a replacement for Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not trying to ruin your childhood and take away (laughs) everything you've ever loved. Uh, But the common problems that, you know, as a game store owner, and even before that, trying to teach people how to play, all the time, people come up and say, I want to learn how to play. I saw Critical Role or I saw Stranger Things or I heard something about The Rock getting together to play D&D on Thursday nights. Right? It's starting to become more and more a part of pop culture and it's no longer kind of the closet nerd thing. And as part of that, people step forward and they want to learn how to play, but then they get turned away, usually for one of three reasons. Uh, just general buckets, right? Everybody has their own minutiae. But generally speaking... For three reasons, people step away our first cost, right? They look at it and they say, I need how many books and dice and character sheets? And, you know, it just kind of they glaze over a little bit about uh, what amounts to, in their minds, a large investment for something that they don't know that they'll like yet. Uh, The second is complexity. They see the number of books, they see the number of spots on the character sheet to denote a piece of information, and funny-looking dice, and they just get super scared about what that means for them. Uh, And then the third is commitment, right? The amount of time that it takes to sit down and learn, to build a character, and then actually sit down and play, much less... The scariness of thinking that they're going to need to put on funny voices and wear funny hats in order to be able to participate with everybody else at the table. And foundationally, you know, as soon as somebody sits down to play as every single one of you out there knows, it doesn't have to be that it can be a beautiful, wonderful, imaginative, collaborative experience, where everybody walks away richer. And so part of the challenge for Dimensions specifically was to say, how do we make sure to preserve the integrity of a traditional role-playing game while making it as accessible and easy as possible? And so we've developed the system such that the very basic rules can be explained in five minutes or less. We've added advanced rule sets and realm-specific rule sets that you can optionally start to sprinkle into your games as players look for more complexity, and we have future plans to be able to build more advanced systems. But the goal of Dimensions specifically is that if you have ever wanted to sit down and learn how to play a game, or you have a cousin or a coworker, somebody who's always wanted to play, this is the tool that enables you to introduce them to role-playing games without diluting the experience, so that you can inspire them to step forward and try something a little more complex, or maybe try to create their first world. Uh, and it's done so in a very comfortable step-by-step approach, so that it's as easy as it can be.
0: Okay, so again, all that sounds great. Um, again, I, I love D&D, been playing it most of my, my life. It's it's the game I come back to, even though I don't think it's the best RPG. It's my favorite, uh, mm-hmm. and it's the one I like to play. So I think it's it's good to be very clear that this isn't looking to be a replacement to D&D or whatever your game of choice is, Pathfinder, Fate, Shadow of the Demon Lord, Legend of Five Rings, whatever it is, this is really aimed to be a introductory how-to-play role-playing games system. There is some complexity built in that if you know again, people just love it, they can continue to play it. It's not like it has to be a my first r p g but it's sort of designed with those elements in mind
1: exactly and you know, and hand in hand with that, um there are a lot of worlds and content that we're creating that will be able to engage and delight you. As an as an enfranchised player. This isn't going to be a boring every single encounter as you sit down and there's a group of goblins and that's all you have to do is sit out in the forest and slay rats until somebody feels comfortable enough to step into the next game. Uh, the goal here is that we create something that's for everybody. And so there are Easter eggs, there are little tricks and mathematical quirks that if you figure out how to min-max your character, you're going to have a great time. Uh, And most importantly, our content system enables you to explore these worlds in hundreds of different ways and not encounter the same outcome every single time.
0: Okay. And then in in broad strokes, um, the name Dimensions, at least from what I gather, is because there are multiple realities or realms that you might say that these games can be in. So there's like a fantasy DND-ish realm or dimension, but then there's it looks at least plans for or the potential for additional ones like sci-fi, steampunk, uh, that that sort of thing. So do you have a set number like you're already tinkering with or uh, like do you have a favorite maybe of the dimensions you could share with us?
1: <laughs> Don't make me choose between my children.
0: Come on, I have two children. I do love one of them more. <laughs> Everyone understands. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: Well, I'll make sure that uh, that gets recorded into the annals of history. But at any rate, um, obviously, you know, the very first realm that we're introducing is a realm called El Narya. Uh, It exists in more of a traditional high fantasy. That's the one that obviously most people are very comfortable with, very familiar with, and we want to make sure that that's included. But not everybody feels comfortable casting a fireball and trying to figure out how to disarm a trap. And so we wanted to include a number of different options for people. Uh, As part of that, we're creating seasons of content that are tied together by overarching themes and stories uh, so that you can explore the universe conceptually, or the multiverse conceptually. And as part of that, in our first season, in addition to high fantasy, we also are visiting the dystopian sci-fi realm of Meridian, and the Victorian steampunk realm of Faranox. Uh, And these, again, because some people are more inclined or more excited about trying something out of the norm, these are situations that you can uh, go and bring those players that are more interested in trying those worlds first. Uh, Now, beyond that, we do have plans for future seasons in which we explore other realms and come back to visit realms that people enjoy. Uh, but with each of those there are opportunities to add additional complexities and rule sets and depth as well as the lore and the storylines that uh, we want to explore
0: all right so so what the the feeling i'm getting is that these different dimensions are i guess well how do i say this that if you're going to sit down and play you're trying to teach someone whether it be again a a sibling a spouse significant other cousin whatever uh child that you know you're going to like ask like hey Everybody, are you coming to this from Lord of the Rings? Are you coming to this from Critical Role? Are you coming to this from Blade Runner? Get a sense for what dimension might fit best for everyone's sensibilities. And you choose that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would there like, is there a cross dimensional aspect? Like if we could start in one and then within the game narrative move to another? I mean, I'm sure you could do that if you wanted to. But is that something you've thought about?
1: Yes. Uh, So again, with this concept of seasons, right, where each season has an overarching story and overarching themes that tie them all together. Uh, So the way that season one is set up, we have, of course, in quotes, the ideal path, but then we are writing them specifically such that if you want to start in steampunk, you can. If you want to start in sci-fi, you can. And it won't detract from the overarching story of the season, but in order to get the entire volume of content and really conceptualize all of these complex character interactions and things that are going on across the multiverse, we encourage you to explore those other realms. Um, Now, one of the things that's very important, my personal favorite rule from the entire system, is the most non-rule of all, which is to say that, uh, well, two parts. The first part is, what have I got in my pockets? The answer is, whatever you can get past the storyteller, they take the role of the game master, right? And the second is the gold, silver, and bronze rules of storytelling, which uh, fundamentally boil down to the most important objective of the game is to have fun and to tell a story together. And if you can create a story, a, a situation, something that's more fantastical, more wonderful than anything that we've been able to imagine... Your rule as a party is to go and pursue that story. And so to that end, we've created these rule sets so that they're easily digestible and very customizable so that if in the middle of your adventure, one of your party members says, well, I want to pull out my laser pistol. Sure, if that's what you want to do, tell that story. You get to justify why you now have a laser pistol, but as long as you can do it, maybe you open up that that dimension that portal to another realm and you step through and there's a wealth of content and lore able to back you up as a storyteller to be able to create an interesting and exciting world
0: all right so there's a couple different questions bouncing around my head um mm-hmm. in no particular order i think it's kind of important and i want to make sure we get out that um not that there's anything wrong with some person hanging out in their basement alone trying to create a new game system this one seems to be far from that. There's a whole group of people working with you on this, uh, not only just from designing the rules and, and then the stories or the paths, but there's also going to be some electronic uh, supplements and like, mm-hmm. you've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. So do you want to give any any uh, context to like the overall support system of what you're hoping for this product?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the biggest goal, right, is that we have this product that you can literally take out of your pocket and play. Uh, so when you purchase a base set, it has everything that you need for you and four friends to sit down and play the game right out of the box. Um, now, uh, that's for you to be able to create your own worlds, have a complete rule set, and everything that you need to play right there. Uh, as An additional aspect of the game, we've created a digital portal called our Adventure Portal that contains pre-built content specifically designed to teach you the rules of the game, as well as guide you through the various realms. So you can see what's unique and how to handle those situations, as well as explore some content and story, some lore uh, behind the worlds that we've created. Um, And so as part of that, you know, my official title is Lead Game Architect, uh, which is just a fancy way of saying that it's my job to make sure that everything is cohesive and holds together from a rules standpoint, from a flavor standpoint, and from a lore standpoint. Um, as part of that, we have teams of people uh, that are dedicated to making sure that that play experience is as good as it can possibly be. Um, and so at this point, we've put over a thousand hours of testing into the game. Uh, we have, in addition to myself, we have my partner and one other uh, story designer who are here specifically to help us build out the adventures themselves, the episodes themselves. Uh, And then we work with a team of programmers and marketers, people who are going out and constantly getting feedback and trying to improve the aspects of the game as much as we can. And so when you step forward to fund our Kickstarter, uh, obviously you're supporting the group of people that have done that up until this point. Uh, But most importantly, you're supporting the continual advancement and enrichment of the content that we're trying to produce. Um, Fundamentally, the rules of dimensions are simple enough that you and your friends should be able to sit down again with a box of cup and dice game that I don't own the copyright to and be able to play dimensions. And I don't want to restrict you from doing that. But By stepping forward and supporting us, you're helping us to create worlds and inspire the next generation of roleplay gamers who may not feel comfortable approaching you as the enfranchised player to ask how to play. We want to create a system that is simple enough, intuitive enough, and, and inviting enough that anybody should be able to sit down, regardless of skill level.
0: All right, so we're going to move into the Kickstarter specifics in just a little bit, but before before we get to that, and and some of this might cross over a little bit, but so assuming I have a copy of the base game, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote base game, um, so looking again at the website and the information you share with me, there's going to be pre-built characters which come on cards, Mm -hmm. um, and the players can choose from those. So um, I'm a big fan of starting with pre-gen, said it many times before. I know for a lot of people, creating their own character is part of learning the game more power to them i have found a lot more success trying to teach people how to play any game giving them a pre-gen and then explaining the rules as we need to rather than front-loading character creation so it's it's a subjective opinion not an objective truth uh, yeah. but i do like that aspect of it um also having played no thank you evil with my two sons <laughs> one of the things that they latched onto right away is in that game uh you have pre-built characters or like you know templates in a way, but they they came it came with a bunch of little like mini figs, so they weren't like three mm. D miniatures, but they were like paper double sided images of different character concepts. And both of them just w- one of them stood out to them, and they immediately latched onto that and felt a connection, and they built their characters to make sense for that image. And that's somewhat of the vibe I got from what I saw is that you're going to have some pretty cool art associated mm-hmm. with these characters and these cards. So hopefully someone will go, oh, I like the look of that character. Let me take that one. And, you know, you've got an immediate connection. Not The rules aren't really related yet, which I'm sure, enough. You know, if it's somebody with a big sword, they probably are melee. If it's someone with a cool bow, they probably have range. Uh, but the first thing you're looking for is am I connected to any of these characters based on how cool they look?
1: Exactly. And if you look at the breakdown of the cards on our website, it's very straightforward, very easy to read and understand. Um, And the art is one of the key assets of the game. It's the primary focus of the Kickstarter, in fact, is to raise money for unique art assets. Um, But when people look at the cards, the goal here is to inspire them, make them think about what they want to do and how they want to play. And so you have the big muscly barbarian and you have the sly rogue with daggers in her hands and you have the cleric summoning a holy light from above him. Um, And each of these cards is meant to inspire the players to connect but also to create the story in their own heads so that the the most difficult part of teaching players a role-playing game, surprisingly, is not necessarily the mechanics. After enough repetition, they pick that up but it's how do they apply those mechanics and how do they connect with the game. Um, And so these character cards are divided very cleanly. You can see the art. It takes up about a third of the card. There's a character class icon that helps to give some indication as to what they should do. And then immediately beneath that, you see all the stats. And they're divided up very cleanly, very distinctly, so that you can immediately see at a glance what the relative strengths and weaknesses of that character are. And so for players who are attracted to the visual aspect of games, they'll be able to pick out a character right away. For people who are attracted to the stat aspect of games, or they already know I want to play somebody strong, I want to play somebody dexterous, whatever else, they'll be able to see that at a glance and pick out that information. Now one
0: thing I I didn't see, it's possible it's in there and I just missed it, but what is the size of the
1: cards? So these are standard size playing cards, uh, just the same size as poker cards or Magic the Gathering. Uh, We specifically chose that so that you can fit them into card sleeves uh, and use the provided marker uh, to be able to note stat changes and things like that. Uh, They are a high gloss finish, so you can write directly onto the cards with any dry erase marker and not have problems. Uh, But by choosing that standard size, we hope to make it as accessible and, and easy to care for as possible.
0: All right. And then, again, we can talk a little bit about the mechanics specifically, but it's it's basically a D6 system. Mm-hmm. As you were saying, you know, in so many words, most people have a bunch of D6s lying around for some reason or another particular games, uh, whether they still play them or not. But it's not too hard to, to dig up a handful of D6s at just about anyone's house where finding a set of polyhedrals, a little more hit or miss. Uh, So the game is a D6 system. Uh, You have different stats, and then below those you have, like, skills. And um, if my character wanted to jump a pit, for example, that would probably fall under dex. And -hmm. then I'm going to have a rating for my dex, which is um, represented by pips or dots. So, like, if I have two dots under dex... I would roll two D6s as my check against correct jumping the pit. Now, the thing that I thought was a little interesting, and I'd like to get your your input on as to why of this design is it again, if I'm right, and I could be wrong, so please correct me, but it seems like the, the DM also has like a variable um like target number. They will be told this is a two die challenge. So they would also roll two dice. They wouldn't pick a number, they don't say it's a seven they say it's a two or a five dice and then they still roll. So the target number has a range of possibilities to be super easy. Well, not super easier, but on the easier side of hard or on the harder side of hard. So first of all, am I reading that right?
1: Yes. So the adventure portal will dictate to the storyteller how many dice they need to roll. Um And, At more advanced levels, we encourage storytellers to think about the mathematics of what they're trying to achieve and maybe pick modifiers or a distinct number for certain checks. But at the beginning, all that it is is your roll against mine. Whoever has the higher sum on their dice wins the roll, and in the event of a tie, ties go to the player. Again, following the rule of cool, especially for first-time players, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to choose the wrong stat now and again. We want to encourage them to explore without Having that fear of screwing up royally and never being able to come back. Uh, and so, you know, we have uh, five stats listed on the card that match up with traditional stats, with the exception of one. Um, and uh, because i've done this spiel so many times i'm going to explain it to everybody out there as though you've never played an rpg before i'm not trying to talk down to you but maybe you can take this clip and play it for whoever that special person is in your life who wants to understand role-playing games a little bit better Uh, so first obviously we have strength which is your ability to crush a tomato or slam one into the side of your enemy's head the second is dexterity which is your ability to throw a tomato Quickly, accurately, and far, or dodge one that's being thrown at you. The third is intelligence, which is both your ability to know that a tomato is a fruit and to be able to summon one magically out of thin air. The fourth is charisma, which is being able to convince somebody to eat a tomato based fruit salad or convince them that your tomato is secretly a dragon in disguise. And then the fifth mechanic is luck, which has nothing to do with tomatoes whatsoever. So we'll get to it in just a moment. Okay. But, uh, as you were saying before, you know, you'll be asked to make various checks, and when you do, you roll the number of dice indicated by the dots underneath that stat. Um, in a situation where you have no dots in a given stat, it doesn't mean that you're stupid. It just means that you aren't exceptionally skilled in that area. The only time that it's mechanically relevant is that a person with zero intelligence cannot cast magical spells. Um, Outside of that, you roll the number of dice indicated on your card against a number that's indicated to the storyteller. Uh, In the event that the storyteller does not uh, have a prompt on their screen to try to resolve what you're trying to do, there's a scale that they're taught inside the basic rules of how to handle those situations. Uh, And then the sum on the dice determines the winner. Again, ties going to the player. In the event that you want to use a stat other than the one that has been indicated to you by the storyteller, you may instead use luck. Luck, however, has some special rules. The first is, after you have completed your luck roll, determined who the winner is, and all special abilities and effects have resolved. You permanently lose a die from your luck pool. Uh, On the opposite side of that coin, anytime that you roll all sixes on a given check, you get a luck die in addition to your roll. Uh, So if you're rolling one die and get a six, you get a luck die in addition to your roll. Two dice and a 12, you get a luck die in addition to your roll, etc. And this is for a couple of distinct reasons. Oh, sorry. And the final step is that the max number of dice in any given pool is five. Uh, And there are a couple of reasons behind this methodology. Um, For any of you who are game designers out there um, who have struggled with the mathematics of games, uh, you understand that D6s from a mathematical standpoint are very clunky. You either need to use a lot of them or very few of them in order to make a statistical difference. Um, And so that was one of the first major struggles that we had to overcome is how do we make, first off, a game that you can play with six dice or less, but second, that it feels important that some strengths are bigger than others and some are more weaknesses than others. Uh, but we had to balance that against the first time player who doesn't realize that casting a spell takes intelligence and feels a little awkward when they're trying to go up against a fifth level sorcerer, right? And so that was where this concept of luck came in, which means that you always have a second option. And that when the moment counts, if you've been playing intelligently throughout the game, you have a huge pool that you can fall back on to make sure that it always works. Well, statistically almost always works. Uh, and so it encourages players to try to find unusual solutions by rolling their weaker stats, uh, because you have the upside of earning luck dice that'll help you down the road. And similarly, when you do roll a handful of dice and you get all sixes, it adds that much more to the experience. Um, The final thing, the reason that we cap everything at five dice is because that also means that as a player, you always have the opportunity to win, If I'm rolling five dice and get all ones and you roll a die and get a five or a six, you win the interaction, Uh, which we thought was a nice way to make sure that, you know, in those situations where you don't know what you're going up against, there's still always a chance for you to do something insanely cool.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, So just because you sort of hinted at it, I'm just curious. Um, but when you were describing the different stats and you talked about Wisdom, the second half of Wisdom sounded what a lot to me would be a traditional persuasion role, which in D&D terms would fall under Charisma. There is no Charisma stat. So like, what was the design element there?
1: I think you may have misheard me. So the final stat is Charisma, not Wisdom.
0: Oh, okay. okay, then we will definitely cut all that out because I I <laughs> thought we skipped Charisma and wisdom was both. So that, that was my mistake then. Okay,
1: perfect. No, I apologize. Yeah, we cut wisdom and constitution from the game, not because they aren't valuable, but because to a first-time player, they're the most confusing to understand. They're the most difficult to differentiate between you know, strength and intelligence, respectively, um, and the most difficult to make meaningful checks for without adding significant complexity to the game.
0: All right, fair enough. And I think I'll leave that in because that was a great explanation. In case someone else also had the same confusion, I did. Um, so I do. I really like that because I was curious about the about the the die pools, and that that actually makes a lot of sense now that you explain it. That if the maximum the, the DM can ever roll is five, you still always have the option of rolling a five one, two, one, you know five ones, uh, which means that even with a one die check attempt. You can still pass, which, uh, you know, I don't I don't know the math on that, but I'm guessing it's pretty <laughs> low. Uh, but it's it's possible. And when it does happen, I'm sure that's the most memorable thing that's going to happen that session. If not in that particular campaign, when the thing that should not happen does happen inexplicably and the whole table erupts and, you know, cries of joy. So I'm glad that that is a possibility that was baked in. So uh, kudos to you, sir.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's been one of the biggest things, and that's one of the aspects of traditional role-playing games that I felt was really important, is that you always have a chance, right? In everyday life, all the time, we get our faces beaten in. And we're told that we can't do things, or we're just a little bit too fat, or we're just a little bit too short, or whatever the case is, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, And games allow us to step away and solve our problems in an environment where, first off, we can control the rules and the outcomes, but second off, we always know that there's a chance. Uh, And it doesn't always happen, but if you don't take that chance in your mind, how are you ever going to take that chance in reality? You know... uh, and, and I know we're getting into kind of esoterics of gaming, but it is important that we realize that games as a transformative and a healing opportunity for people uh, can really be impactful. It doesn't mean that every single game needs to be a tear fest, but by creating and baking in opportunities for people to be able to defeat those demons and be the hero in their own adventure, we enable people to really expand and grow on a personal level and that's part of the goal with being able to introduce role playing games to the rest of the world is that they get to experience some of those things that you and I are familiar with because we've seen those moments where we really connect with a character or where we're able to step forward and slay the dragon against you know unimaginable odds and that's a really cool experience that in my opinion everybody deserves to have at least once in their life
0: <laughs> of course i'm i'm taking you know what is like a, a truly thoughtful um, and potentially emotional, uh, consideration and, you know, exploration. And all I think of is the dumb and dumber thing with, so you're saying there's a chance.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and for some people, that's all you need is just yep. a moment to laugh and, and step forward and do it, you know?
0: Excellent. All right, so a couple more questions about the mechanics, and then we'll get into the Kickstarter. Um, so again, looking at the card, uh, I see there's some hit points. So we, mm-hmm. you know, at some point there's going to be conflict that might involve goblins or other creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does that work? Combat is it like armor class is a defense roll? GM would roll, you know, and then if I hit, like, how do we determine damage? Just, just because I'm curious about the combat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So again, this was another aspect that we wanted to streamline as much as possible. Um, And there are a couple of things that we did to achieve that, and I'll talk about those as they come up. But foundationally, for the majority of the game, it's a free-flowing conversation. Whoever wants to contribute steps forward and contributes. You have to make decisions unanimously as a group, Uh, so it's not a situation where one person can just steamroll everybody else. Uh, but during combat, it changes. Uh, play begins with the player to the left of the storyteller and works clockwise around the table until everybody has had a turn. And on your turn, you're allowed one action. Uh, foundationally, there are three things you can do. The first, obviously, obviously is make some sort of attack. Uh, there are three types of attacks. The first is melee, hand-to-hand combat, swords, and you know, bashing rocks and tomatoes into the side of your enemy's head, hand-to-hand sure. combat, things like that. Uh, the second is... Uh, And that uses strength, excuse me. Uh, The second is ranged, which is throwing a knife, shooting a bow, a gun, chucking a rock. Uh, This all uses dexterity. And the third is magic um, or technology in some of our more advanced realms, uh, which uses intelligence, right? This is summoning a fireball or programming a drone on the fly, uh, controlling a robot, things like that. and so those are the three basic types of attacks. And just like a traditional check, you roll the number of dice indicated by the stat against a number indicated on the adventure portal or by the storyteller. And whoever wins deals damage equal to the other party, equivalent to the number of dice that they've rolled. So if I'm a barbarian, I have three strength. I'm swinging a hammer. I roll my three dice. If I win the roll, I deal three points of damage to the opponent. Um, now, in the advanced rules, we do have some crunchier tables and methodologies to help you increase or decrease damage and make it more interesting. But foundationally, again, we wanted to make it as simple as possible. And one of the things that that methodology accomplishes is that it makes sure that there's always damage being dealt. Combat is always moving forward so that you don't have a 15-minute period where everybody just misses and nothing happens. Um The second type of action that you can do is to activate the special ability that's on your card. Uh, In most situations, players have an ability that says once per level, do something or do something else. Meaning that every time that you level up, that resets. Uh, But it's designed to be a little bit more powerful and a little bit more specialized to show you how your character interacts with the world and what their techniques and special abilities are. Um, and so that's the second option, is to utilize that special ability. Uh, the third option is to come up with something that you can convince the storyteller is worth doing for the round. Uh, so in combat, that could be trying to convince the monster or bad guy to stand down. It could be pickpocketing or you know whatever you decide to come up with. And again, the storyteller has guidelines on how to resolve those situations. Um, the big goals with our combat steps are first, something should always be happening. Uh, second you should never have more than you know three or four choices really to make in combat so that you don't have to sit there and plan out your turn for 10 to 15 minutes uh, and the third thing is that it should be teaching players what the strengths of their character are and how to support each other through both combat and non-combat encounters
0: all right so i have a question so again i may have misunderstood or just wasn't uh, wasn't clear right to me So, in your example of combat, I'm a barbarian. I got three dice under strength. I'm swinging my sword at a statue that's come to life. And Mm -hmm. the the statue has three dice as well. If my total beats the statue's total, I will do three points of damage to the statue. If my total is less than the statue, then I take the damage? Equal to what they rolled? Yes. Okay. That's that's what I thought was going on, but I wanted to make sure. Because, like you said, so... So essentially there's always the chance of attack, a counterattack. It's just, you know, swords are being slung, fists and rocks and spells. Something is going to happen if you step forward to attack, good or bad, there's not going to be a net zero outcome.
1: Exactly. Um, the only situation in which one side unequivocally does something and the other does not is in the situation where you use a special ability, where some of them let you automatically hit or deal an extra attack for free or different things like that.
0: And that was my second question, is can we get an example of one of these special abilities so we kind of get an idea for the flavor and the mechanics?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let me, I've actually got, sorry, you just heard dice spilling everywhere. I've got some of my prototypes right here in front of me. Uh, so we'll go ahead and refer to the Barbarian who I talked about earlier. Uh, one of the special abilities that the Barbarians can have is called Rage, which is a once-per-level ability. You can either deal one die of damage to an enemy or re-roll a failed attack, uh, which, again, just means that you're automatically doing damage or you have a second chance to try to hit the enemy. Um Uh, One of the other key things uh, that we haven't talked about up until this point is that every character class has between 2 and 12 variations. Uh, So if you get a starter kit and your buddy gets a starter kit... Just because you both have barbarians doesn't necessarily mean that you have the same special ability. Uh, Each barbarian is designed to show one of the unique aspects of being a barbarian to help you learn about the ways that classes grow and develop independently of each other and what sets them apart as unique classes within the game. Um, There will be options for you to purchase additional character packs at your local game store. There will also be some online exclusive characters. Uh, but we have secrets and bonus characters that we'll be throwing into the Kickstarter uh, as well as every time that we unlock another level to make sure that you have a wide variant, uh, wide variation of characters to play. Okay.
0: Um, so my last question before we get into the Kickstarter specific mm-hmm. is, we we mentioned several times of the quote-unquote sort of starter kit or the basic base pack that you would get. Um, So what all is, assuming the case of our funds, we're all good. What all would I actually get? Does does it include dice character cards? Like, so what would I actually get with a base pack?
1: Yeah. So uh, foundationally, there are five primary products in quotes, right? That we're providing in the base set. Uh, The first is the box itself. Uh, It will be a collectible art driven box, sturdy enough for you to literally fit in your pocket and just walk around with it all day without worrying about it crushing. Uh, The second is the dice themselves. Uh, We include 24 dice in the base set, which again is enough for you and four to five friends to sit down and each have plenty of dice to play the game. Uh, The third is a minimum of four character cards. Uh Four is included with the standard base set as part of the Kickstarter. We'll be adding additional characters as we hit stretch goals. And you also have the random chance of getting an additional premium character, which I'm not going to go too much into detail on. Uh, and then uh, after that, you have the basic rule set itself that fits inside the box and a dry erase marker to be able to keep track of stat changes and things like that. Um, All of this, again, designed to fit into one small box into your pocket. We should have pictures going up in the next couple of days on our website and our Facebook page. Uh, So check it out when it's there.
0: Okay. And and with that, again, once we're done, send me links to anything and everything you would like included in the show notes, Facebook pages, Twitter handles, all that kind of good stuff. It'll all be in there. So if you're listening to this, there should be links in the show notes to anything that you might want to go look at. Okay. So by now we should have a good idea of what dimensions is. Hopefully people understand the, the reason behind why why you were wanting to create it and, and what purpose and function you think it serves and why it's important for that to exist. Uh, so now we're going to talk about the Kickstarter and how we can help you make this a reality. Uh, so first question is, when does the Kickstarter launch?
1: Yeah, so right now the plan is that the Kickstarter launches on April 16th. Obviously, we reserve the right if an interdimensional portal opens up and swallows all of my teammates that I have the opportunity to kick that back a couple of days. But uh, right now we're on track. Everything's looking good. Uh, We're just waiting on a couple of the physical pieces to come in so that we can show you exactly what you'll be getting. Um, The Kickstarter is planned to run for 30 days, so it'll end on May 15th. Uh, And our commitment to the community is that uh when you order we will fulfill orders in the order that they come in so regardless of level whether you're buying the most basic you know base set all the way up to our god tier which we'll talk about in just a minute uh the the order that they come in will be the order that we make sure to fulfill them uh, as a thank you to you for stepping forward and and being brave enough you know to support right. us in our first game
0: All right. Uh, And then the second big question always is, uh, what are we looking for? Like, what's our target number to make sure this happens?
1: Yeah, so our base goal is $15,000. And we've chosen that number very carefully. Uh, What it does is it allows us to produce content for an additional six months, uh, as well as fund art assets for the game. Uh, one of the biggest problems that we've run into in putting this together is finding art assets that are actually representative of the community and that connect with everybody who wants to play. Uh, unfortunately, literally over 96% of the art that we find online are white males, and everything else is considerably over-sexualized or underrepresentative of the communities that are involved. Uh, and so we are working with a couple of artists. Uh, we're trying to narrow it down to the couple of people that we're really interested in to make sure that we have art assets that represent you and that you'll connect with.
0: All right. Excellent. Um, and then, so as far as a Kickstarter itself, so we need, we need 15,000, which mm-hmm. seems pretty reasonable for what we're trying to offer. Um, yeah. uh, first, first time project, right. Have you like kickstarted anything before?
1: Yes. So I have worked with a number of other games before um, and learned from many of their mistakes. (laughs) Uh, This is my first project that I personally have produced, though. Gotcha. Uh, And so, you know, as part of that, we want to make sure that the value is high, that everybody feels confident. And uh, to that end, you know, I've already... Uh, With my partner and I, we've invested a substantial amount of money into the physical assets to make sure that they're here. Even before the Kickstarter ends, we'll have the majority of everything ready to go so that it will ship promptly. Uh, And we do have a couple of surprises that we're going to send your way as well.
0: Okay, so so this isn't a question I normally ask, um, but just because of the, the way the conversation's going, I think it might be relevant. So what is your fulfillment target date? So this is going to end on May 15th. How quickly can people expect to actually get the product in their hands?
1: Yeah, so we have a couple of things. Uh, the very first thing is we plan on opening up a demo adventure to all of our backers as soon as the Kickstarter ends. So you'll be able to log into our website, interface with the beta version of our adventure portal, give us feedback on what you like and don't like about the layouts and progressions and things like that. But you'll also be able to play a fully-fledged version of the game and start to explore the mechanics and the universe, or multiverse, excuse me. Um, after that, uh, our goal is to have all of our Kickstarter uh, kits sent out Uh, you know, minus maybe some of the major stretch goals and things like that by August 1st. It's extremely ambitious, we realize that, uh, but again, we're trying to go above and beyond to make sure that we are timely and accountable in what we do with you and the community. Um, The obvious exception to that is this goes viral, everybody gets insanely excited about it, and we have to produce a million units at that point we will contact everybody and make sure that a reasonable expectation is set.
0: Okay. And again, that's a good problem to have, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If any of you decide that you would just love to stock a thousand copies of this in your store, contact me directly and we'll work something out.
0: Excellent. All right. So then so the the question I normally ask. Uh, It's a three-parter, so be ready for it. Um, So one, what is the cheapest way to get involved, to help out and get something in return? Now, most Kickstarters have a friend of the show or a donation-only level, but I'm talking about what's the cheapest I can jump in and still get something, if not the whole game, uh, from you. Uh, What is sort of the expected base level? Because again, whether you realize it or not as a Kickstarter backer, there is a level that most creators think This is where the majority of our backers are going to fall into. It's a lot. Think of it as like the standard version. Uh, And then a lot of Kickstarters have like this crazy, let's all fly out to Vegas for a weekend and play a game. Uh, What is your upper top tier crazy one if you have one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We actually have a couple of really cool options there. Uh, So the very first, the cheapest level that you can get on board and still get a copy of the game is our digital only version. Um, the target on that is about the $20 mark, 20 to $25 mark. Uh, But again, that includes not just the rules of the game and characters and things like that, but also content adventures that you can sit down and play with your friends right away. Um, the second tier, which is probably the most common tier is just a simple base set. And we're going to be aggressively costing those, uh, trying to essentially get the parts to you at cost. Uh, So, our goal for the Kickstarter is a $30 price point. Um, So, again, you know, you pitch in an extra five to ten bucks, you get all the physical pieces as well. From there, we go up in complexity and craziness. Uh, We've partnered with Die Hard Dice. Uh, To be able to produce exclusive metal dice, you can add those on or get them as part of a package. Uh, All the way up to uh, collector sets that include additional background lore. And ultimately, we have a number of tiers that will write you into the game itself. Uh, The first being an NPC tier, where we put you as a background character, and we give you a couple lines of dialogue, and people can come and find you. Uh, All the way up to a crazy high-end $10,000 tier where, as part of our uh, lore in the universe, we have six gods who form a pantheon. And we have purposefully left one of them unnamed and undescribed. (laughs) So that if any of you decide that you really like what we're doing, you want to support us uh you can get written in permanently as a god. Now, obviously, we're going to send you 15 copies of the game and a whole bunch of metal dice and all the swag and collector's stuff and crazy things like that, too. So if you and 14 of your friends decide that you want to divvy it up and can argue about who wants to be the god, uh, you know, get in touch with me and we'll work something out. But uh, we want to make sure that whatever level you want to engage at, whether that's a casual supporter, a first-time player, all the way up to the enfranchised person who knows that you have that list of 10 to 20 friends who have begged you to play a role-playing game, we want to make sure that we have content for you.
0: All right, excellent. And if anyone's curious, uh, $10,000 divided by 15 is $666.66.
1: No, no coincidences there. Actually, <laughs> All notice right, uh, that there are five sixes and five dice in your stats, and so on and so forth. I consider it very auspicious. Uh,
0: perfect. Uh, so I had a oh, uh, so I had a couple questions, and then my stupid joke remark about the, the numbers messed me up. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's my fault trying to be you know clever. Um, so base game thirty bucks, which very reasonable. Uh, does that include shipping? Yes, no.
1: Uh, It does not include shipping, just because we do anticipate shipping internationally as well. Uh, We want to make sure to set that expectation up front.
0: Again, very reasonable. That's what I expected. Just want to clarify. And then you did mention um, just directly about retailers. Uh, I've I've noticed a lot more Kickstarters are starting to have a retailer package where you get multiple copies of the game without all the other bells and whistles. So is there a retailer package uh, available?
1: Yes, yes, there is. Um, The way that it'll be set up is that you have to make a minimum $5 contribution to the Kickstarter, uh, and then it'll prompt you via a form to send us the necessary information. We'll get in touch with you and work out a process to make sure that not only you have copies of the game, but that you also have all the promotional material necessary to be able to uh, get it going from day one. Excellent.
0: All right, so... This all sounds cool. Like, I'm, I'm on board. Um, I, I legitimately see myself getting a copy of this and playing it with my kids to see what they think. Because um, we're starting to, we're, we're kind of getting past No Thank You Evil. Though I love that game. I love Money Cook Games. Um, I'm ready for something a little more complex. But mm-hmm. the, but when we tried to play 5th edition, it was a little above them. We, we made it work. We all had fun. But I, I've hesitated to play it more than that because I, they just weren't quite there. And this seems like a pretty good middle ground uh, in my specific situation with my two kids. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but uh, but this sounds like something I could see myself playing and having fun with my kids uh, in. So I'm certainly um, hopeful that the Kickstarter goes well. So once again, it will go live on April 16th unless something catastrophic happens. Uh, the plan for this episode is to come out on the 15th. So if you're listening to this day one, more than likely, the Kickstarter will be out the next day. If you're listening to this week one, there's a good chance the Kickstarter is already out. Um, so quickly, uh, out in any Twitter handles or websites? Again, we'll put them in the show notes, but anywhere you people could go to get more information now?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so the number one best place uh, that you can go to get more information about the game right now is https colon slash slash dimensions dot games. Again, that's dimensions.games. There is no .com or .org or anything like that. Uh, We got one of the cool handles. Um, You can also check us out at facebook.com slash dimensionsgames. Uh, You can tweet me directly at talon underscore requo. That's T-A-L-O-N underscore R-E-Q-U-O. And we also do have a fan Discord server set up. Uh, You can find that information on our Facebook page and website and anywhere else that we're represented. Um, we want to make sure that uh, everybody knows that this is about the community. Um, Even though I do need to feed my family and take my wife to Disney World every once in a while, the goal here is to produce something that's for everybody. And this first project is specifically aimed at flexing our wings a little bit and seeing what we can do. Uh, There are lots of plans for the future. And even if this particular project isn't for you specifically, your support will help us to build bigger and better things.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight. Thank you for sharing this with us. Uh, Sort of last sort of catch all. Is there anything that we didn't talk about? I didn't ask about that you think would be important for someone who's considering backing. Maybe they're on the fence that might help them push them over. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: Yeah. So uh, we have a couple of taglines and hopefully one of them will connect with you viewer out there, listener out there. Uh, The first is if you can count, you can play. Uh, You bring up specifically that you want to teach your kids how to play. I think that that is excellent. Obviously, I have to put the disclaimer out there that dice are a choking hazard, and this game is not intentionally marketed or targeted towards children under the age of 13. But that doesn't mean that you personally can't introduce your niece, nephew, daughter, son to it, as long as you're doing so responsibly. Uh, We've been testing it with kids as young as four, and again, if they can count the number of pips on the dice, they're going to do just fine. Um, The second is that I encourage you to go out and just try it. Especially because one of the cool things about role-playing games is that it enables us to connect with each other in ways that are unique and oftentimes unusual. Uh, Even though I think that the content that we've created is pretty cool and that we have a lot of cool things in store, there are worlds that we can't possibly imagine and stories that we frankly cannot possibly tell. And so we invite you to go out and explore worlds without end, which is our second tagline. Uh, and then finally, the message that I want to leave with everybody, regardless of your situation, is that if you have ever felt isolated or alone or worried, afraid, um, you know, separated from the people in the communities who play role playing games and you're not sure how to approach it, this project is for you. And if you know somebody who's been in that boat, use this as a tool to reach out to them, and let's introduce the next generation of role players to the world, because again, there are things that we cannot create on our own, and by inviting them to be a part of this, we know that the future generations of gamers, whether that's role playing or something else, have the opportunity to be inspired by the lessons that we've learned in the last forty years of role game, role- play gaming.
0: Very, very cool. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again anyone listening april 16th go check out the kickstarter do me one small favor that if you do decide to go to support the kickstarter uh let them know that you heard it from us um you know we we constantly try to support and and shout out interesting projects in the community um and sometimes it's hard for a, a you know a creator to know if their time was well spent so if if this ep- this episode in particular got you to go over there and check out the kickstarter uh make sure you let them know that so that that helps us for future shows with other people who are doing cool and interesting things.
1: And to Uh, that end, uh, I actually do have a surprise that I didn't tell you about before the show. Uh, As a thank you to you and your community, we are actually going to give you an affiliate link um, that'll give a small kickback to the show uh, as a thank you. So if you like us and you like the show, uh, that link should be down in the description and active on day one of the Kickstarter so that you can help support us both.
0: All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. And if you're listening again, I made it even easier. Uh, You don't have to do anything extra. Just use that link and uh, it'll all be great. So thank you again for being here. Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. So remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or RPG, consider using our affiliate links first. And then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook.